All right, great. So um, welcome to the show, everyone. We have uh, Daniel Krawitz on for the, uh, the second time. Um, and I think we're, we're hoping, um, I, know, I know, Daniel, you said you've got a bunch of notes that you've taken for the show. Um, but yeah, we're, we're hoping to kind of get into a, a deeper dive into, into hyper-Bitcoinization itself and what are the specific triggers for, for, for creating that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, one, one of the first kind of questions I have is, is what, um, like in that process, what does uh, the price look like pre hyper Bitcoinization event? And then like, you know, like what, what are kind of like the signs that it has started um, based on the price action of, of Bitcoin? Okay, well, uh, once again, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, Jack and Liam, nice to, to see you again. I'm glad we're, um, we're, we're continuing. And there seemed like um, people really liked our earlier, our previous discussion. So, um, so uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, that's a tough, tough question. What does is, what is the price action look like? Well, I guess I would say that if... Um, uh, if we're if we're using uh, using Bitcoin as money, then it we won't really talk about the price of Bitcoin at that point. So instead, we would be talking about prices in terms of Bitcoin. So um, people would would talk about um, uh, the price of the dollar. They wouldn't talk about the price of Bitcoin. They would say the price of the dollar, and what they would mean is the ratio of dollars to Bitcoin. So, so Bitcoin would become the unit in which prices are quoted. And um, as far as um, what you know, what the markets would look like. I mean, that's really pretty hard to say. I mean, we've seen that um, we can have manias. I mean, certainly, I think it would look like like a mania, like a uh, a Bitcoin mania. But we've seen that we can have manias that do not have anything to do with hyper-Bitcoinization other than people lying about it. So uh, I think that that's pretty hard to say. I mean, I, I think that in order to be successful in markets, you have to, you have to know, know the truth. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't expect the market to, to tell you what's, what's going on. You have, to, you have to know what's going on. Certainly, if the price changes, that that means something is happening. But I think you have to know what what is actually happening. Yeah, as in so as in knowing knowing why like this 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 price is going uh, you know parabolic or um, having been prepared for that event beforehand. Is that what you're meaning? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, um, so well. Yeah, that that's a good point. I mean, if you're the the information that's in the the prices is is always backward looking, but in order to make money in the markets, you have to be forward looking, and in order to do that, you have to understand what's happening independent of of the markets. So I think I think the best way to do that is uh, having a lot of friends, having a, a gossip network of. Um, you know, just being able to look at things from from different perspectives, I think, is really what what you need. And then, of course, 
I think uh, economics is really important, um, but not, not just that. Um, psychology is also really important. And then, then you also need to know the, the specifics of you know, whatever, whatever the prices are about, like what, what is the, the good that is, is being traded? Like how, do, how does it really work? And you have to know about how it works. It's how, you have to know in particular what other people don't know about it, right? Because that's what the market is, is not reflecting yet. I mean, eventually all, all knowledge becomes relevant. So if people, you know, so you would want to, um, you want to know what other people don't know because uh, eventually when, when they do know that, then that's, that's when you take profits, you know? Yeah. So maybe, maybe if we take a step back from that, because I mean, yeah, obviously that, that's about like being able to predict the future better than other people. Um, but then I, I guess also right now, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you or, or Jack, you know, might have superior knowledge about, you know, exactly what's going to happen. But right, right now it, it, you know, at least when it comes to BSV, it seems like maybe uh, this hyper Bitcoinization event uh, might not be a guarantee, right? That, that it's not uh, a guarantee that uh, Bitcoin ends up becoming a global uh, money system for, for everyone. What, what, what would you say are, are, are either signs that um, something like this is beginning to happen or, um, even before the signs uh, appear, whether there are certain things that, you know, whoever's listening to this, po to this podcast now might be able to do to, um, to bring that about, uh, to kind of, yeah, guarantee it more. Yeah, so the, the economics of Bitcoin gives people who use it an inherent advantage over other kinds of money. And um, money is, um, is a way for people to, to cooperate. But um, there's uh, just having an advantage doesn't mean doesn't mean you're going to win. If, if you don't leverage that advantage, then then you won't win. And so I think that's what we've seen uh, in in Bitcoin, you know, f until until recently. You know, I think um, I think what what we've seen are people who just believe that it's it's going to go up forever and that it's going to succeed regardless of how stupid they are. But um, this is, um, you know, there's, there's competition. Uh, there's competition between different, different proto monies. So, you know, in Austrian economics, money is defined as being the universal medium of exchange. And we don't have that in the real world right now. So what, what we have are different competing proto monies and the best money is the one that everybody else uses. So, um, <clears throat> so there's there's kind of a a zero sum interaction, a zero sum uh, um, uh, competition between these monies because everybody's better off when when one of them wins out. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, so there's a lot of um, well, so. I think that um, the the people in the the Bitcoin economy need to be like like a team there, and they're all um, they're all dedicated to growing the economy, and that's kind of 
that's kind of leveraging the benefit of money because ben if money is a way to cooperate, the way to win with it is to be better cooperators. Um, so I think people need to think about how to um, how to hone in on their their comparative advantage, um, which is what whatever is what's best for them to specialize in, and try to rely on other people more and more until um, until eventually everybody everybody is specialized, then um, the, uh, the productivity of, of the economy can go, go up, goes up for the amount of, amount of work that people put into it. Um, so I think... So maybe um, give an example there in terms of like, like an example that you, maybe you've seen in the Bitcoin economy right now of someone effectively specializing in something and then uh, being able to be valuable to other Bitcoiners? Well, um, that's, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I have a, a very good example of that right now. I mean, I think, think what we've seen until a couple of years ago is the economy was just being destroyed by, by people who were trying to take it over. So people didn't really have a chance to do, to do anything really. And, um, since, since the, the BSV economy has opened up a bit and people are able to do, um, you know, do different things with, with it, I think, I think we've seen a lot of experimentation. But uh, I don't think we've seen much um, uh, interaction and, and cooperation. And so I think, I think that that's really what, what is needed to make things um, that's that's what's needed for for economic growth. But right now, I just don't think I, I don't I don't I think we're in in a process of you know understanding who who can be relied on. You know what I mean? Because I had I had some trouble earlier when I was trying to um, to to start a business, and you know I found out that um, you know the people I was involved with, some of them. Some of them aren't aren't really dedicated to the the success of Bitcoin. They were just, you know, talking. So um, so I had to had to try again recently, and um, you know, from my experience, it's been more like um, before before BSV, it was like I couldn't really do much of anything, and uh, now I've been able to do experiments. Uh, but so far, uh, so far. I uh, don't have any, any, any real successes just yet. I'd like to uh, tie a few of the thoughts that you've had uh, so far in this podcast. Number one, we can change uh, the way we display USDC and any stable coins and any other crypto in terms of Bitcoin. So we have previously displayed everything uh, in terms of stats. So when you buy an NFT, it shows you a stats price or a BSE price, but for the exception was USDC or any USD related instruments. We flipped it so that you would see a human recognizable Bitcoins are at $53 or $51. Uh, on your knowledge, we will flip that. And so we'll show you the dollar price in SAT. Oh, wow. That's pretty exciting. So yeah. hyper Bitcoinization already happened then, according to, according so to your the, charts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the best way to do this... Um, to do this podcast actually is to have uh, Krawitz offer up an economic theory 
and I will tell you how to deploy it uh, as an entrepreneurial method. So I think on a morning run or something like that, you can create a price index, even though the McDonald's hamburger is not yet tokenized uh, on BSV, you can just take a basket of all kinds of goods and just let the person, psychologically speaking, which you refer to Daniel, just look at these prices in terms of sats all the time. And so for the BSV minded person, right now, there's a few of us in Bitcoin who are already all into Bitcoin, but we still need a calculator and we don't have a direct calculator to the goods that we buy every day. We have a pseudo calculator in the sense of like, we flip to USD and then we think about USD for, the, for those goods. Let's give a way for people to look at goods all in terms of sats uh, immediately. That's one thing to do. The next thing you've mentioned about why people don't seem to be cooperating and people needing to specialize and hyper-specialize in what they can offer. So here's where I draw the conclusion on that. If I were to offer something that does not cost me a single dollar of investment, whether that's an investment of BSV or investment of a dollar or investment from VCs, then it came from my human capital. So of course, I would love everyone in Bitcoin to be a buyer of that thing that I'm selling. But if I am investing actual money into this, no matter what currency I'm investing, then I feel like I need to make a return from this investment because I actually have a cost. And so if I have a cost to produce something that is financial in cost, then actually what the market is telling me already before I even come to the market with this product is that I am not good at this thing that I'm producing. That's why I need to spend money to hire someone to do this and hire someone to do that. That's why the market should, that's the way to understand that you shouldn't buy this product from them. And from my perspective, precisely because I had a cost in producing this good, that's also why I need to be closed-minded and not abundant. And I can't treat all Bitcoiners as cooperators because I need to recuperate this cost. So I need to make sure that everyone only, only I know the trade secret and everyone buys from me because I have this capital expenditure I need to get back. Otherwise, I'm in the hole. And up until now, Bitcoiners were like, well, if you have enough Bitcoins, then you can, you can throw away some Bitcoins and the rest of your bags will go up. But for the most of the people in the ecosystem, they don't have that many Bitcoins in terms of the purchasing power. They have like one Bitcoin, which is a lot in the future, but it's very little today. It's only $50. They don't have um, the idea that they can spend uh, half a Bitcoin today for the other half of the bags to pump because they can't get enough out of the $25 left of their half a Bitcoin pumping. Okay, well, um, yeah, uh, great points. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that people need to take, a, take an entrepreneurial mindset. And um, well, you know, the reason, the reason people don't wanna be entrepreneurs is because of the risk of loss. But uh, the, the accepting the risk of loss is pretty much the first thing, the first thing you need from, from somebody else to, um, you know, to know that they're, they're, they're a good, a good team member. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of like one of the, one of the basics. So, um, well, if you don't mind, I'd like to go over some of my notes from the, the last but, session. But, but Daniel, if I don't spend any money to create what I'm selling, then I have no risk of loss. Is that true? Yeah. That, well, that's kind of your, kind of the point you were making, isn't it? Yes. 
So that would be the hyper-specialization, is that Bitcoin is seeking out value from the people in the Bitcoin network, where it's specialized to a degree where no participant has any Bitcoin to lose in offering the service. Well, I mean, in order in order for there to be economic growth, there has to be there has to be risk. I mean, there have to be um, there have to be people who are who are willing to be losers. Um, you can't you can't you can't be a winner without risking loss. Um, it's kind of like um, if you, if you don't want to risk loss, then you're not you're not. But, but you risk losing your time. Yeah. yeah. You, you, but you won't risk losing your capital. Like, well, I mean. But that's that's still the same. Um, I mean, I think that's that's the same same kind of dynamic. I mean, um, ideally, you you would be an entrepreneur who doesn't doesn't have to spend very much to still make a great product. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I think people. I mean, right now, I think a big problem we have is a labor shortage because there's not a very um, the there there aren't very many people who combine all of the, the kinds of things we need to be an, an effective Bitcoiner. Um, so, um, so I think, um, I, I think we need to, well, I think, I think we need to, to start small. I think we need to be thinking of, um, um, you know, small things that we, we can actually build with the resources that we have right now. But eventually, eventually we'll have more. Then we can do bigger things. Yeah, let's go through your notes. Okay, sure. Well, so one thing I, uh, that I didn't get to um, answer on last time was when you asked about uh, uh, N-Chain trying to get governments involved in Bitcoin. So I wanted to mention this again because I didn't want to sound, sound too antagonistic to those guys. I mean, I, I don't think... I mean... Yeah, I think that there are some people, some people around here who are on Team Dollar, and some people who are on Team Satoshi. But I don't think you can, you can always know who that is. You know what I mean? Uh, because one thing that that we need is for the the miners to start earning revenue, um, or else the whole the whole system fails. So that you know it, that inherently means. Um, Providing services to people who are um, who are not who are not Bitcoiners, who are people who are on Team Dollar or one of the other one of the other fiats, because there's just not enough enough people here right now to um, to get all of that, you know, to get get much revenue just just from them. So and also getting so I mean I think that um, uh, getting getting governments involved in in Bitcoin is a really good idea because that's going to make governments less antagonistic towards bitcoin so what what we would want is for all the governments to be be addicted to bitcoin and another thing that does is um uh it does does a lot to to eliminate fraud and um embezzlement from governments is a really big problem that we have right now so i didn't want to sound like that was a a bad bad idea but that's not really you know what I would want to work on. Um, so, um, so another thing we we talked about last time was a um, a, a lock time service, where um, you said that you would put put your funds in a um, 
a lock time transaction that couldn't be couldn't be spent for a certain amount of time, and that's how you would show that you are a um, a long term investor. So something really interesting happened after our last uh, discussion on that because it turns out somebody um, somebody is already uh, building that. So what it felt like is that um, we just talked about it, and then it's like magically there, you know, and that's kind of how that's kind of how things ought to work in, in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, because um, like, you're looking at the people who co-founded that, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, I guess I didn't, didn't realize that who co-founded yeah, co it. Okay. So somebody else um, had, somebody else had the idea, but you, you invested in it or, or you had the idea and you got somebody else to, to do it. Oh, we, we had the idea on the show and the same day after the show, we launched the product. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. Well, uh, well, great job. <laughs> and, then, so, and then obviously people from the community started contributing to it. There's a developer that's joined the, the crew. So it's not us coding it, but yes, go ahead. Okay, well, that's, that's fantastic. And um, yeah, I mean, if we all just want, want economic growth, then um, like that's, that's how things, that's, that's kind of how things ought to go. That's kind of how I how I uh, was imagining things when I first got into Bitcoin, but I've never actually seen it happen. Until yeah, I'm saying you don't need to imagine now. anymore, Daniel. Any ideas yeah. that, you think, that you think are good, we can manifest into existence on the same day. So whoever's listening, make the uh, morning run version of goods and services and Satoshi's. You can do that tomorrow. Yes. Okay, well, yeah, let me talk about something else then. Now, this Great. is something from that I, that I read in uh, one, of, one of Craig Wright's blog posts, but I thought this idea was so good. I really want, want this to exist. So uh, he said that if you, if you log into a server, you should create a Bitcoin transaction every, every time you log in. And yep. then there's a, there's, a record, um, there's a record that's outside of the server that some hacker can't change. So if he gets, uh, if somebody gets, gets your password or breaks into the computer, they can't, they can't delete all of the records because not all of the records are, are inside the computer. So what I was thinking was, um, uh, well, the, I don't know if you could do this by tomorrow, but it would be- Oh, great. it was done three years ago, but continue. <laughs> it was. Well, no, but I was, what I was thinking was we should, um, it, somebody should um, uh, uh, upgrade the secure shell authentication protocol to allow for, for Bitcoin transactions. Um, then, then we would have uh, Bitcoin integrated with, uh, with Linux. No, but what, what was the, the service you were talking about that happened three years ago? Yeah, so Craig Wright came onto the Cambrian Valley uh, first day and mentioned, uh, we had asked him what different entrepreneur ideas does he have? And he mentioned this. And that same night, uh, Dean Little stayed up till 4 a.m. And he came the next morning and he showed us the login uh, thing where exactly as you described. So he built it exactly like you said. And someone listening to it will pull it up. And I think you'll see it on social media on the next day. Oh, okay, great. Well, I mean, that would be, anyway, that's a really good idea. So I think um, so too. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm surprised I didn't didn't hear about that already. But that's something that's something we could all be be using. Um, um, uh, that's something we could all be using using right now. Um, 
We, we could. Again, there are geniuses out there in this world like Dean who can listen to an idea and turn it out in the next three or four hours. But for that to be used within the Bitcoin economy, you need every single person to be someone who is a part of the Bitcoin economy, wakes up, suggests ideas, looks at what's been shipped and starts incorporating some of these tools here and tools there and put into their products. And then you have an ever evolving product set in the Bitcoin ecosystem. If you have a company that has a fixed amount of VC or dollar spending and they need to recuperate that, then they have to have their own private roadmap for what they're trying to build, in which case they're not going to be so receptive to changing up their roadmap for any new signals or information of pieces of code here and there. You know, that's, I think, the problem right now in the Bitcoin economy, my, my personal. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, like if a VC understood the you know, the potential benefits of Bitcoin, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be thinking that way. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't just, um, they wouldn't just invest in a company, they would want to invest in Bitcoin itself. But that's been, that's been a problem for as far back as I can remember is that people want to invest in companies when really Bit- Bitcoin is a lot better than any Bitcoin company. Um, yeah, and the biggest example of that is probably Calvin Air, who spent a hundred million dollars into things other than Bitcoin itself. And the Tao holding company currently holds about $1 million of Bitcoin. So you got 100x more in, uh, investment in the fiat part uh, or the company's part more than the uh, Satoshi part. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a strange way of doing things. I mean, when you think about it, like any Bitcoin company is more likely to fail than Bitcoin itself. That, and that doesn't mean never invest in a company. It just means that you probably want want the bitcoins a little more than the company. You know, um, you want. I think you would want you want a range of of risks in your portfolio. You don't hmm. want you don't want everything to be the same. But um, if you're if you're if you're only getting companies and you're not you're not getting getting the bitcoins, then you've got a, a lot of things that can that can fail pretty easily. So they may also have, well, but, and think about this. I mean, how is a company going to have a bigger upside than Bitcoin too? I mean, that's possible, but it's pretty unlikely. You know what I mean? It seems like, it seems, it seems like any, any company is just kind of a, a lot, a lot worse. I mean, not knowing anything about the company a priori, um, sorry for the interruption. And well, no, 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 let's, let's reset. Let's reset the table here a little bit. Why don't you just run off a list of the things that you want to talk about on the show, like from your pad, and then but don't go into them. Just a, the list, and then I'll go through a list of things that I want to make sure we address today as well. Okay. Well, um, I went through um, most of everything. I guess from that idea of um, a logging in with with Bitcoin, yeah. uh, I think I, I wanted. There's some more I had on on that, and that's basically okay, like. Go ahead. We need to think about um, our collective security and the login, the Bitcoin login idea. That's an example. That's an example of that, because um, everybody's everybody's more secure if all our servers are are more secure. But we don't have to stop there. I mean, um, if I'm if I'm right that the value of money is the other people, then in order to um, increase the value of Bitcoin. You, you need to think about 
everybody else's security. Yep. And um, you know, I think that the way to to succeed with startups is to to avoid failure. And the way you do that is you try to imagine every way that your startup can fail and plan so that that doesn't happen. Um, so in other words, you have to, um, well, that's just it. I don't think, yeah, I don't need to say it in other words. You need, you need to use your imagination to think about how things can fail and then make sure it doesn't happen. And, you know, most people aren't really going around uh, doing that with their own lives because they're expecting services to be available that will help them out if they, they get in trouble with something. You know what I mean? Um, but if you're if you're an entrepreneur, if you're if you need to spend money to make money, then you you can't think you, you can't you can't expect that anymore. Then you you have to see to your own security. But if if you know if you if you're uh, Bitcoin as money makes everybody else's security into into your security if you're if you're invested in it. So. You need to think that way, like you need to think how I just said about making a successful startup, except think about, think about the failure of the other people and prevent that. So the Bitcoin login, that's, that's seeing to other people's collective security, but I think we can take that idea a lot farther. Um, so um, like to me, like a really big thing that Bitcoiners can do for each other that the people outside of Bitcoin really can't is um, news and, and information and telling each other, telling each other how not to die, basically. Because um, uh, I, I think that we, we, don't have a, we don't have a service for that outside of Bitcoin, but we can, we can have a service for that inside of Bitcoin because people can people can buy Bitcoin and then they naturally want everybody else to be, to be okay. And we just don't have something quite like that outside of Bitcoin because the other, the other monies don't, don't work that way. If, if, if anything is going to, if anything happens to make the dollar more valuable, the federal reserve just takes all of that. And so people can't, can't benefit from, uh, from thinking that way with with dollars yes and i got i got you, i got you daniel i got you this is why i talk about hand cash every single day because i care about the other bitcoiners and i don't want their money to be in some threshold signature scheme where their funds are held by two private individuals um, who can run off at any time with people's bitcoins <laughs> well um hand cash is another they're an example of this this kind of company that you're talking about that is vc funded they're not. They're not trying to invest in in Bitcoin, they, and they want to have their own uh, their own walled garden, right? I think that's what what they're up to. Yeah. Why don't you speak to the threshold signature concept of Do you prefer basically users having full custody of their funds, or do you prefer a company? Obviously, there's improvements to make. There's other innovations that can come in the future. But given these two choices of having the twelve word C phrase or having sort of hand cash and another party custody your funds? Yeah, well, uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think there's, there's advantages and, and disadvantages to each, but I, I think there's a big problem with 
with trusting some company as 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 we've seen many times before and and as we've seen in the wider world i, I don't think i don't think I don't think companies can provide trust as a service very well. Um, but I, I do think that there is um, a potential for the threshold signature scheme uh, if it was more flexible. Like I think you, there probably are people that you can trust that you could form a, uh, a threshold signature scheme with, like, like maybe people in your family. Or right, like every single person chooses their own set of actors which yeah. then becomes more safe than even me keeping my own keys, right? Um, versus every single person trusts the same two actors, which today is like Haste or Handcash. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that completely. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, the whole, uh, the, the first thing about Bitcoin is that nobody has to provide trust as a service. And a earlier models, there would have been one one company that, maintains the whole database and that tells tells you if funds have been transferred and um, you know you can't you can't independently verify what they're saying like they could be telling they could be telling different people different things you know what i mean they could be two different databases secretly and different people have different ideas about about what's happening and that's effectively what we have with um with uh, with Twitter and these other social networks and any uh, a lot of these companies are trying to get into into payments now too so so that's that's what we're going to have um, have with money if they don't start uh, using using Bitcoin so I mean it's not as uh, it's not as it's not as bad if you have um, one company that uses Bitcoin and they're they're providing or they're offering some kind of trust as a service because it's just not as much but yeah I, I don't think i don't think we need that anymore you know i want to go rapid fire with you and i don't i hope the audience doesn't mind if i cut you off uh, i hope you don't mind because uh, i think okay, sure. well let me just mention one one more thing go really ahead. quick though because um like one thing that i've been uh been trying to do uh for a while is uh try to get people to learn how to program so that would i think that would make uh make the economy more valuable if we had more people who could program around here. So one thing, one thing I've seen is that uh, lots of people can program and people are very intimidated by the idea of programming, but it's actually something that lots of people can, can do. And uh, I think programming is the new literacy. So we've, we've got an economy with a lot of illiterate people in it, unfortunately. But well, I think, uh, I think people, if anybody, if anybody wants, wants help learning how to program, I can do, do classes in that. I think that would be helpful. <laughs> what, uh, what, what languages would you recommend, uh, Um Well, I think um, I would recommend JavaScript and C++. You mentioned this idea. I'm going to play devil's advocate to all your ideas, even though I think I agree with you. Okay. But I want to come at you from the position of the layman. They say, you tell me companies are going to fail, Bitcoin doesn't fail. But I'm showing you that Coinbase today is a $15 billion company. CZ at Binance has created a potentially $200 billion company. FTX is worth $32 billion, and your stupid BSV is worth a billion dollars total. Um, why would I think that Bitcoin is more uh, bigger potential than my company? 
Well, pr prices are just what people believe about success. They're not, they're not the same thing as success. So I think the reason that you, 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 I think the reason you would think Bitcoin has more potential upside than these companies is that you would actually look into how they work and you would look into the ways that they are vulnerable and the ways that they can fail. And I think if you actually did that, you would conclude that Coinbase and um, Binance can easily fail, whereas as well as the other, other blockchains can fail more easily, whereas um, BSV does not fail very easily. I, I think um, ultimately investment is about survival. I mean, the way that um, I, think, I think things go up you, because you know, other things other things die, you know what I mean? Or, or after other things die. So a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff fails. And then people look around and they see what, what remains, like what survived the bloodbath. And then that's the stuff that goes up because that's the only, those are the only options left. It's, it's a Darwinian system and you have to predict who's going to die. Okay. And then my next question follow up with that is sure. I went to build for Bitcoin. I got some users on Bitcoin, but I've maxed out. Bitcoin's got 10,000 users. I've got 8,000 already on my app. I'm looking to grow my app to 20,000 users. Let me add Dogecoin. Let me add like other chains. Let me make myself, my company, a multi-chain company because that's the, I've got all the Bitcoiners there are. What do you say to that? Well, um, you know, good, good, good for you. I mean, I think that you're, you're I think that you're, you're spending, spending more resources on that you know, relative to, to what you could get by, by growing the Bitcoin economy. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if money is a way for, for people to cooperate, I mean, I think that, that the Bitcoin economy needs to be like a, like a marriage, you know what I mean? It shouldn't be like, like a fling, right? And it, but if you're got lots of different, lots of different coins, that's, uh, that's like, um, that's like uh, cheating on your yeah, or it's like like being a slut, right? And so you know, some people say that that lifestyle is is fine, and um, that's who they want to be. But I, I think that the the costs and benefits are 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 kind of similar. So I think if you're you're thinking ahead, you would probably say, I would want a good marriage instead of being a slut. You know. But what about I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can really convince somebody of that sure. who's dead set on being a slut, though. You know. <laughs> okay. Liam, Liam is pulling out this quote right now to tweet about it. <laughs> um, what about the people that say, "Hey, look, but I have a responsibility to myself. I live in the real world. I'm not living in some fantasy land of this hyper Bitcoin mania. Uh, I, I'm getting married. I'm having a kid. Like in the real world." Uh, I have to care about myself. I can't just care about Bitcoin. Well, I um, mean, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, ultimately, uh, ultimately, I think that selfishness is the the foundation of morality. Um, similar to to Ayn Rand's idea, but she didn't understand um, evolutionary psychology. So, um, but I think if we can all play a um, a uh, a positive sum game, then then we're all better off. I mean, that's kind of what that's kind of like selfishness leads us to benefiting benefiting each other a lot. But sure, I mean, you wouldn't 
doesn't really make sense to, I mean, it's like, would you, would you put all of your time and effort into making as much money as possible? I mean, I don't think that's a very good, good idea. I mean, there's other things, there's other things that are needed to have a good, a good life. So I think, um, I think, I think money is an important component to a good life. But it's not. Uh, if the interesting thing is, they when they say that argument, they mean like they want to make the most money. That's why they need to care about their own family. I think if I were to answer my own questions, um, oftentimes when you find out that you're tapped out in terms of Bitcoiners and you need to get other people, that's a time to reflect and say, what other changes can I make to my product so I can get more Bitcoiners? Uh, I can grow the economy even more. But they potentially have this ego where they think the product is perfect and somehow the net Bitcoin network is not perfect. And therefore, they need to look outside the Bitcoin network. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about costs, costs and benefits. And if you, I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, what you're describing is just not, not really an economic way of thinking. Like, to me, like, economics is about how, how do we really win? Like what, what is the, um, how, given, given the real circumstances, how do we, how do we maximize benefit? But if you're, if you're someone who's saying like my, my product is perfect and the only thing I know how to do is promote my product, then that's not, that's not really like an economic way of thinking. Uh, I mean, I would say I would make a product that, you know, in terms of how it how it fits into the larger economy, it's really about about holistic. It's about holism. I think like your your product is only good because of how it fits into the the rest of the economy. So you, you kind of have to think about everything. I, I mean, it's like um, I mean, I think you want to you want to be married to people, right? Not to not to an idea. Um, uh, the if you're that's it's that's kind of like being obsessed with the with your your own product is like that's kind of like saying the that's kind of like your your mind has been taken over by an idea and you're not you're not thinking about your your real benefit anymore you, hmm. because you're um uh, it's just I, I don't know does that make sense i mean i, I think i think it makes you, total sense to me i'm trying to trying to pull some examples out of you here with the way i'm questioning it um for the people in the audience that think a different way than the way you and i think Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, earlier you, you used the phrase, um, like what, you know, what, um, people are not being effective, uh, Bitcoiners and, um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to ask if, if you could expand on that, you know, like you already said one thing about like, you know, I guess every Bitcoiner should, should learn how to program. Cause if you don't know how to program, then you're kind of illiterate. Um, yeah. what, what, what other things are there to be like an effective Bitcoiner? Well, you know, um, money money is about specialization. That's what is that's what makes it good. Um, and if you join a new economy, uh, that means there's different people around than there were before. So maybe that changes what you're best at. So I think um, being being an effective Bitcoiner means thinking about um, who who am I? You know what I mean? Who who can I become? And uh, it means looking at, at the other people and figuring out, it means figuring out your, your, new, your new identity based on who else is around. And um, being, 
being effective means creating something or an, an act, an act in Bitcoin that would be effective is creating something that makes makes everybody else more efficient or or more more secure. And it's it's like something that that fits in with everything else. Um, that's really what, and you know, that's also what what brings the most benefit to you if you can act that way. So that's that's being selfish. That's being as selfish as you can if you can be like that. What's the argument people have that they say, what you and I are saying sounds a lot like communism to their brains. It's like, you're telling me not to care about my own product, not to care about my own company, to care more about the network and whatnot. Why would I give away my ideas for free? It seems like I'm going to end up making less money doing this. And this is so communist. And like, I'm not a communist. I'm a capitalist. What do they say? Uh, well, communism doesn't have differential benefits. There so there isn't a... Um, there isn't there isn't really a contest that anybody wants to win, but when, with with Bitcoin you choose you choose how much you want to have. You know what I mean? So um, uh, you 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 can benefit more than other people if if you play the game correctly. That's what makes it that's what makes it sustainable, and you know capitalism before Bitcoin was was the same way. It's just that. Um, there's a there's a new strategy now in in Bitcoin because you can think holistically. You can think in terms of the whole the whole economy a lot more easily than than you could before. Right. So before the way to be capitalistic was try to accrue the most value into your own company, and so you'd have this war between Coca Cola versus Pepsi versus a hundred other food beverages industries and companies. Now, because there's one single ledger, a holistic economy, you still are incentivized to, you know, produce things that make you more Bitcoins, but you now also have an incentive that other people also value Bitcoins, that other people are also producing so that the, the, the amount of Bitcoins that you do earn is actually increasing in value. Yeah, exactly. And it would be- Man, it, for you. Sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, it just feels so good to- to talk about this some this sort of thing with uh, with somebody, it, it's really felt like I've been uh, been kind of um, kind of yelling into the the void for a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean I've understood your teachings since the day I read them because it, it aligned with um, what I was thinking about the world myself even prior to Bitcoin, and I I thought that Bitcoin was the manifestation of this type of vision. Um, of a more cooperative economy. Now, I do want to ask you to sidetrack a little bit. What do you view about the idea that someone like a court or some association that claims to run the ledger is able to reassign coins? Does that break your cooperative model of the network? Well, I think that... Um... You know, you you understand what the question I'm asking. I'm talking about the thing that came out about a week ago about the Bitcoin Association uh, and the one fee X address. Yeah. Um, well, what what I, I'm not sure about what about the one fee X address because I don't remember reading about that. Maybe, that maybe in particular, but example. I know I know that's the address that Craig Wright claims he had his keys hacked so that he can't. He doesn't have the keys, but somebody else has the keys now. So like, like a week ago, the Bitcoin Association uh, settled um, with Craig Wright 
even though I think initially the court case was actually dismissed, like the uh, the judge said that there wasn't grounds for um, fiduciary duty on on the developers to to be able to create software to reassign coins. But uh, the Bitcoin Association developed said that they will develop um, uh, like a notary tool that will help to translate any future court orders into a uh, like a minor readable um, uh, request, basically, so that they can reassign coins. Okay, yeah, I read all of that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that um, we we need a, a legal system and uh, we cannot simply have a, we can't, we can't substitute a, a legal system for a, for a computer network. But uh, I think that, um, I think we do not have a legal system right now that, that is very, very good. Um, I, I think that, well, I mean, I, I think that anything that is, is tax funded is socialism and suffers from the same problems of socialism that Mises identified a hundred years ago. And the, the problem is, according to Mises, the problem of socialism is central planning. And um, what, what central planning means is that um, the, the system is not organized in a way that, that minimizes costs or that maximizes uh, benefit versus cost for uh, for the economy as a whole. Instead, there there becomes this um, this contest to to get to the center of the network so that you can uh, you can manipulate the system to your own benefit. So we end up we end up with this um, this hierarchy, and people are spending a lot of resources to get up to the center of it. And then when they get to the center, then, then they, become, they become parasites off the system. And um, the, the system doesn't naturally respond to, um, to the needs of the economy as a whole, or doesn't, doesn't really even have a way of, of understanding what, what those needs are. Um, so, I mean, I think one day we could have a legal system that is built on a on a similar a similar idea to the way bitcoin works because what well, the way bitcoin works that's different from previous systems is that there there isn't there isn't an organization there's there's just a a protocol and then a bunch of organizations compete to um, to administer the the protocol but any of those organizations can fail and the system continues uh, on and there's free there's free entry into um, into providing the service so that's not what we have for the legal system now um, what, what we have for um, the legal system is there's um, there's monopolistic organizations that provide it and they are all too big to fail and there's a really big problem if any of them fails because there isn't there isn't a smooth way of um, uh, transitioning to to a new system. So what we need is a system where competing organizations with with free entry uh, provide a, provide a, a single service to everybody. So they cooperate to provide a single service um, instead of um, instead of having having one organization 
that's supposed to provide the service. And oh, there's something else. Oh, and um, Bit Bitcoin mining is a business model for providing public goods. And the reason it is that is um, if, if the economy as a whole improves, then a Bitcoin miners earn more revenue. So Bitcoin miners can do things that improve the economy that do not directly earn them revenue because they, they get the revenue when, when there are more transactions. So um, I think that that, um, that shows that you can have uh, a, a capitalism for public goods um, and that we can have uh, capitalist organizations provide, provide public goods for the economy. Which is, and that's the main argument that uh, that we we need a government is that uh, their capitalism can't provide public goods. But I think Bitcoin proves that wrong. Yeah, and I believe um, for anyone interested in reading more about this topic, uh, Milton Friedman's son, uh, David Friedman, um, has put out work about how exactly a competing legal system uh, would work in terms of private uh, competing legal. Um, systems. Okay, well, I, I think you also need to look into the work of uh, Murray Rothbard and um, Hans Hoppe. Yeah, but, you know, in the absence of that emergence, obviously, that system won't be here before August 2022. If I, as a Bitcoiner, working alongside this vision of a cooperative economy, and believing that I can grow the pie, blah, 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 witnessed a action where coins were moved based on the work of a nonprofit organization in some place called Zug, Switzerland, then does that not break my trust in this model? Will I not be like, sorry, this ledger is not like this authentic thing that I'm, I'm building on? Well, I don't, I don't agree. I mean, I, I think that People should not. I mean, I, I don't think that you can you can get away from the legal system that we already have. I mean, at least not not in the near future. Um, so, but Bitcoin is still an it's an incremental improvement over what we had before. I mean, not just an incremental, a really a really big big improvement. Right. And, but what prevents uh, like I hold five bitcoins? What prevents someone from claiming that that's their big five bitcoins and they lost it and then the uh, the ledger has changed to them. Well, I mean, uh, I guess what what prevents it is um, your your ability to um, to oppose them in court. Um, I mean, I, I think that people probably won't uh, won't be easy to get away with just making making something up like that, right? I mean, you'll have to go to court and you'll have to argue about. What, what history is really behind these, these Bitcoin transactions? I guess I have my keys to the five Bitcoins. So if I don't lose them, it's hard for someone to claim that they own them, right? Well, yeah, they say, they say possession is um, 90% of the, of the law, right? Okay. So, so you basically, I'm not saying I disagree with you. You're just saying that this is how this works right now. Some ledgers might not like behave the way we think they'll behave in the future. They behave based on the actions of a Bitcoin association or whatever. 
but this should not make me lose trust in the network as a future best form of money because in the future these things will evolve well um i mean i think i think that if you were you were imagining that um we we were evading the legal system in some way and then you learn that we're not then there there would be a way that you would you would lose lose trust but there would also be a way that you would you would gain trust because it's not like the legal system that we have is totally useless there's there's some ways that um there's some ways that um we would we would benefit from right. um from using it over being being independent of it so i think you know what we've seen before before recently is i think we've seen people trying to ignore the legal system or pretending that it's it's not real we've seen kind of like um people acting like the legal system is not real and I, I think what we've seen what we've seen there is that people were not attempting to create an alternative and that what they were they were really just trying to, to get away with stuff yeah and um there have been many big big hacks and and scams in bitcoin and um you know the, i think the um the the exchange model is um well the way the way people have been doing exchanges has been totally insecure so one by one they've all they've all gone under they've all lost tons of money and the, their customers have lost lost money as a result and um like people have not come up with um an effective means of preventing this um that is is independent of the existing legal system so i mean um i think that tim to, to me what we've seen is um uh, we've seen lots of um lots of anarchists get into bitcoin who will talk they'll talk about competing legal systems but when we actually need one they're not they're not interested in really making one so i'm i'm pretty disappointed in in those guys and yeah what i would really have liked is earlier on people ought to have been um creating ways of preventing hacks and scams that um you know you you can't get away from the current legal system completely now but they could have made something where the existing legal system is more of a, a fail safe where where we have to go to it as little as possible you know what i mean but people haven't done that and so that that's why we're in the the this the state we're in now so if on the day of this reassignment coins there appear to be an alternative version so a competing fork a do you think that will exist will come to fruition where you have essentially a bitcoin uh court vision and a bitcoin just like remaining the ledger as it was today before um and b uh where do you think the two different coins would trade in terms of what the market will value well i mean that's a really interesting question i mean i think that a a fork will probably not work i mean um not not being a a legal scholar myself um uh you know i i have to say that uh, i think Craig Wright's legal arguments on the matter uh, seem it seems like 
a, a competing fork would be um, would would be eliminated eventually um, because there would be grounds to to sue miners who uh, created this this competing fork. But whether whether these two um, two forks would you know what how they would trade that's an interesting question because I think what we've seen is that uh, the market doesn't doesn't believe that the legal system exists. So yeah, maybe there could be a competing fork for a while, and um, maybe maybe it would pump a lot. Um, I, I don't really think um, I have a uh, definite definite prediction on that though. Hmm. <clears throat> so you, um, what, what what do you think about Craig's? Um, you know, he he also had that recent um, lawsuit with um, suing Coinbase and uh, Kraken for uh, misrepresenting BTC as Bitcoin. Well, uh, nothing has happened on that yet, right? He just um, he just just filed it so far. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just just been a, a yeah filing the lawsuit and, and um, giving notice to Coinbase and Kraken. Okay, well, I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, all of those exchanges are are malicious. Um, uh, the the ones that existed in, during the um, when these these forks happened, they they all colluded to um, to to destroy something good and instead promote promote something useless. I mean, they don't want they don't want something good because then all of the other coins would fail, um, and then their their business would be um, wouldn't be as good. Right. What 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 would you say with um, you know? I guess some people kind of criticize Craig that he's spending a lot of his resources and, and, and energy on this sort of legal battle when he could have used that very same resources on, you know, like um, spurring uh, adoption of BSV at, a, at an even faster rate to kind of make these entities like Kraken or Coinbase uh, irrelevant. What, what would you say to like something like that? Well, um, that's a good, good question. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I I can't say that I know exactly how he's he's spending resources, but I, I guess I would say um, uh, it's it's better to think about how how you would spend your own resources than to try to try to um, try to tell tell somebody else that they're not they're not spending their their resources correctly. I mean, I think that if somebody's making a big mistake, you should see that as an opportunity to. Um, put put yourself forward to do do something better and um but uh, i don't know complaining uh, complaining about it or trying to argue with him is not really going to accomplish anything so <laughs> yeah but yeah. i'm i'm i want i want justice i mean i'm i'm excited for justice i think that um what what the exchanges did was was a horrible crime and um i'm i i support uh, going out going out for revenge against it but I mean, yeah, potentially you you could say it might be better to forgive them and do do something else, do something um, that's more that's about growing the economy instead. Um, I I don't know. It's a tough tough question. Because I'm just doing the math here, right? So the amount of so you you value Bitcoin SV more than BTC at this moment, right? You just think the market's wrong about that, yeah? Yeah. So then right now the amount of coins. Uh, 
incantation that's about to be moved um, is less than what is it, a hundred thousand BSVs, Liam? Yeah, hundred ten thousand. So to acquire hundred thousand BSVs, even with slippage right now, would cost you less than about um, ten million dollars. Presumably, all of this um, legal proceedings and whatnot cost more than ten million dollars. So, in pure economic terms, it is a cheaper route to purchase a hundred thousand bitcoins on the open market than to reobtain this hundred thousand bitcoins that you lost. So well, yeah, there, but, must be, there must be some other benefit of doing this. Like you, you must believe that the network is missing this legal precedent. And by setting it, you make the rest of your bags, it, whether it's however many you have, worth a lot more. So you must think that the legal precedent is of value to the network. It cannot be just about the number of coins you're getting, correct? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I don't think you would fight a legal battle just because you wanted... Uh just because you wanted to acquire those coins, I think that you would, you would fight a legal battle because you would want to establish some, some truth. Um, and that's, I think that's, um, that's worth a lot of money because then um, once- So for that to be true, that at the time that this happens, people should expect uh, to have more people buy Bitcoin or value Bitcoin more because it's been established. I mean, maybe eventually, I mean, once a, a a legal a legal precedent isn't necessarily something that everybody would know about right away. But what you know what will happen if uh, if Craig's legal predictions come true is that everybody else in this whole crypto economy will have to contend with that. So um, um, you know they they will have to. Um, they'll have to follow the rules that will be established regardless of whether they right like right now they they rely they rely on propaganda in innuendo and they rely on um, telling people that that Craig Wright is a scammer and then hoping that they won't look into that too much whereas um, after after the legal precedent gets set then they will have to uh, follow the rules established by it so they can say, they can say Craig Wright is a scammer out of out of one side of their mouths, but that's not that's not how they will be acting. You know what I mean? That that kind of it kind of changes things a lot. That's interesting. So do you think that others will be able to bring to court the same type of cases um, after this has been established? Like I lost my private key. Um, yeah, I believe that uh, Craig has said that that is um, part of his his goal in um, making this case is establishing this precedent. So then later on, anybody else who has uh, lost their keys or had stolen funds will be able to to use that, and then they'll be able to get a court ruling a lot a lot cheaper than he's going to get. But isn't part of the value of gold in that if I lost the gold? And someone else can melt the gold and like whatever is their gold. There's no trace back to me. Well, I mean, I think, um, uh, I mean, I think that's kind of a, um, 
uh, a disadvantage of of gold. Okay. So one one thing that's nice about about gold is that it is it is um, as long as you're talking about physical gold, it, it is independent of of institutions. Yeah. But if you you can you can get mugged with, with gold. You know, um, there's there's such a thing as uh, rubber hose cryptography, right? And um, and I, if you had a kind of gold that was stupid to steal, then that would that would be better. That would be a better gold. So, um, um, you know, I, I think I think that it I think it's it's much much better if if we have a kind of money that is, um, you know, I, you can you can't. Uh, so the argument, I guess, is that, it, you know, so I guess the argument here is that like BTC is great for criminals and that if we have a legal establishment that sets the record straight for BSV, then BSV can become great for honest people and honest trade leads to a bigger economy than anarchist criminal type trade. And so we want a world where if someone owns BSV and they commit a crime, then basically their coins can be seized by the network. That's is preferred. Yeah, but I would want I would want the anarcho-capitalist version of that. But we can. But you can not try that. that we can try that next next time. <laughs> so so this time let it go and let the court just take the coins. But next time we want to invent something better. But you can think you think that could happen on the same network without forking. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you confident we'll get to it next time? Uh, no, I don't know what's what's going to happen. I mean, uh, I think uh, if you look, take a, a broad look at history, it, it looks like things tend to get better over time. But um, just right now, things things aren't looking so good. So I don't know. Um, um, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But um, I think I think uh, I, I think if we can if we can get through the next few years, the, the Bitcoin civilization is going to be a lot better than the previous civilizations that, that we had. Right. And you think this legal precedent is an accelerant to the Bitcoin civilization, not a decelerant? Um, well, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if we can't, if people can't steal Bitcoin, then that's a lot better. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I sure don't, but, but can we not make it so that people can't steal Bitcoin using some kind of threshold signature, three of seven, three of nine, a five of nine type of thing with your family? Because right now, based on this court stuff, like I, I can see the dystopian version of this is that you establish this precedent. Governments now become happy that they can change the ledger with a court of law. And then because the legal system potentially is corrupt right now, this motivates somebody to issue stable coins, CBDCs on top of the Bitcoin network and things like this. And so they stymie the potential of the Bitcoin as money, which will disrupt their entire Federal Reserve central banking system to that you say what? Okay, well, I don't, I don't really see it that way. I mean, I think that it's, um, if, if, if the government start issuing CBDCs on Bitcoin, um, well, that's first it'll of all, happen, that, it'll be helpful to the Bitcoin price, actually. Yes. Yeah, but it also makes the the, the fiat money dependent on on Bitcoin. So I don't think that makes the, the fiat money stronger relative to Bitcoin. I think that makes uh, Bitcoin stronger. 
Agreed. It also makes the governments addicted to Bitcoin. So then they're not going to just try to try to get rid of it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think I think for now, I mean, I think I think for now we need to be we need to be submissive to governments because they're powerful. But over the the long the long term, I mean, I think the Bitcoiners will be will be the ones with the most money. So they'll be able to um, uh, they'll be able to lobby governments uh, to benefit them the way that the elites do now. If if the the Bitcoiners have the most money, then they'll be lobbying governments to to make them into something that puts puts human rights first and uh, makes them makes them more like the um, the the democratic republic that you know that they're they're supposed to be um, uh, because that's really what's what's best for the economy as a whole that the current elites live live by parasitism um, but if we're if we're the elites that's not that's not how we're going to live so then we we won't want we won't want governments that are um, that serve as the the means of parasitism we will want governments that prevent parasitism. So if government um, involvement, whether through legal cases or uses of the network is important, then would you say that the people who do not have that strategy <clears throat> or those connections should just sit, sit back, huddle the Bitcoins, do relatively nothing and wait for this thing to evolve? Uh, no way, because everybody can do something. You need to do do what you're best at. So if you're not uh, if you're not if you're not good at lobbying governments, then you shouldn't do that. But there's, I'm sure there's something you can do. You know. I agree with that. That makes sense. Like learn to program. That's that's not for you, obviously. That's for uh, <laughs> the other people watching. Yeah. On on the last show, we we when we brought up NFTs, uh, I think someone left a comment asking if we could. You know, have a longer discussion on 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 NFTs because I, I think uh, Daniel, when uh, on the show last time, you said that you weren't um, particularly a fan of of NFTs, um, and I think we we've got you know like a, a slightly different view of of NFTs and 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 the potential it can it can bring for uh, things like a, like a tokenized commerce where you have um, yeah I guess a, a secondary market for for every um, every good. Uh, in the world so then you might be able to you know buy toilet paper as an nft but not take delivery on the toilet paper until you actually need to consume it but in the meanwhile you can uh you know you might be able to buy uh cheap toilet paper when the price when the supply is really high or um yeah so you might be able to benefit from from that and then use that as your Sort of uh, store of value because you 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 know you will consume toilet paper in the future. Yeah, great idea. Just in case there's another another um, uh, another another COVID another um, another pandemic, everybody will we can have a uh, toilet paper mania uh, on chain instead of having people uh, uh, having people brawl in uh, supermarkets. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know that there's there's. There's useful things that can be done with with NFTs. It's just that what I've seen so far is that NFTs have been mostly the the evolution of 
you know, new, new speculative vehicles that don't really do anything useful. And that's kind of like the main thing that people have been doing in Bitcoin since early on. I mean, first it was altcoins and then it was um, uh, ICOs. And uh, let's see, then it was, then there were um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin forks for a while. Um, and um, what else? Was there anything else? Then, then, it was, then it was NFTs, but people were not, uh, were not doing anything with them. Well, you know, speaking of, speaking of programming, you know, one thing that I have been wanting to do is make, uh, make board games on Bitcoin. So I, I think that you could have a um, uh, you could have a a programming language that could be used to specify some kind of interactive game, like like a board game or a collectible card game, and then um, then your your software could read read the rules and implement the game on top of Bitcoin, and then all of the or, or many of the pieces would, would be, would be NFTs. And that would be a lot better than just doing, doing one game. You know what I mean? I, I would rather do something where we just make, we just make every game. Um, so I think that would, that would be something that would be fun to do. It's not something I can do by myself, but um, something I could explain how to, how to do it to, um, to somebody. There's, there's some, um, I know there's a couple of uh, card NFTs that have become games. Uh, I, I think there was one recently called the like Legend of Uzan or something like that, um, where yeah, it was uh, an on-chain card game. But I, I yeah, I, I wasn't particularly sure how they worked, but maybe there's a good connection there to to make with them. Maybe. Well, I don't, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I think, I think. What what we've seen so far, as far as games on on uh, BSV are, are concerned, we've we've seen the same problem that um, Jack was just talking about earlier. We've seen a company that doesn't, you know, they 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 want to keep their um, their game library secret because they want people to play their game. When really it would be better to have an open game library that anybody could use to make games. And that's what you would want to happen if you were invested in the coins rather than invested in a, a company. So um, to me, what I would be interested in doing is just an, an open source game interpreter that would be a Bitcoin wallet that would just play You would just give it the rules and then it would just play any game. I totally agree. And so, Daniel, like I'm on the same team as you. But I understand the real world, and I I, I get myself involved. <laughs> okay, but look, look I, I know I know what you're saying is you and I both are in the real world because what Bitcoin is real. So what we're saying can materialize in the real world. What I mean by that is, um, there's an argument that you have to say that unless you and I or some other agent in this network can trigger a leap in productivity so extreme such as to set off hyper bitcoinization there is an argument that even if i understood bitcoin even if i understood that it's more rational for me to make this open game system or open exchange or open whatever wallet i am still better off building a billion dollar company right now 
dumping it when it goes public and then acquire more units of Bitcoin that way. And then that's when the hyper-Bitcoinization might be closer to ready to start. So to get anyone to not behave in this selfish, like, like closed-minded way, you have to show them that there is a trigger um, that is going to set off hyper-Bitcoinization right now. Well, I mean, I think, I think markets are, are anti-inductive. So that means they, they learn over time. So yeah, I mean, I, I think think you could be right. I mean, that's certainly what, what we've seen with all of this this altcoin mania that's been going on forever now, where it's you're better off um, making an, an altcoin and then pumping that and then um, buying into into BTC instead of instead of the real Bitcoin. Um, that's kind of what what people have been doing. Um, and um, I don't know. I don't know what what to say about that. I mean, I think that um, what what I've seen is that you know relatively few people are really really thinking about thinking ahead about about the game we're playing now. I mean, if people just keep playing the altcoin game, I mean, eventually they're just going to destroy everything they have. There's going to be nothing left because there was no no development on Bitcoin. Um, so what you're talking about is um, uh, is less uh, less malicious than than that because you're actually talking about making a making a real company and then then selling out of that. I mean that's well not necessarily because <laughs> you could make a uh, altcoins don't do anything. You could make a company that's really evil that uh, that destroys the world like like Twitter or something. So not necessarily better, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, could could be better because you could also make a make a good company doing that, um, but um, I don't know. I think it just depends on uh, how how people think about time. I mean, um, I guess I would say I would want to. Uh, I'm uh, like I I wouldn't want to do things that that felt like a like a waste of time to me. Like if I was going to build a company, I I wouldn't really feel happy about it. My whole point was to, um, to pump it up and, and get out of it later. You know what I mean? I, I would, I would want something that's going to keep, continue to be a, uh, a, a benefit to my, to my life. You know what I mean? And I, I understand that not, not everybody is, is thinking that way, but, um, if, if anybody wants to, to work with me, that would be, that would be the kind of person that I would be looking for. So I, I would say that, um, there, there will be people who are kind of like the one you described, but then there will also be people who are, who are not like that. And that the second class of people, um, what they need to do now is to find, find each other and figure out, figure out who they are and develop relationships with, with one another. And then they, they can start specialized. They can start, um, you know, they can make, make the Bitcoin economy like, like what, I was, what I was talking about. And eventually what, what they will have is clearly more competitive than, than the alternatives. So at that point, it will be something that uh, other people won't, won't be able to afford not to do anymore. Does that make sense? Agree. So you do believe humans have agency to bring forward the time at which hyper-Bitcoinization starts happening? 
Oh, uh, yes. Uh, that was one thing that I really <laughs> didn't like about arguing with people on in BGC because they all thought it was like, like a like a religious idea, like God is going to make hyper Bitcoinization happen on his own time, you know, like uh, like the the end the end times or something. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you completely ruin the economy; it's still going to happen. No, yeah, we need to uh, move move it forward, and um, um, uh, I think I think we can do that by just. Just using using Bitcoin as money, um, just just leveraging the 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 benefit of money, which is just just specialization. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, by the way, was the gaming company you were referring to Haste? I don't I don't know. Um, okay. I'm, um, Liam mentioned a game I, that I haven't heard of, so I don't I don't know what. Oh, he was I see. I see. Okay. Uh, uh, I got a question. So I put it out there that if BTC can get to 100K, uh, then obviously BSB can get to $10 million. Yeah. To that you say, you say what? Sure, why not? Yeah. I mean, I, do, I think maybe it'll get to $10 million because of the, the inflation of the dollar is going to get a lot worse. But yeah, I think- Let's I think say in real terms today, today's terms. I think, I think, it'll, uh, I think it'll eventually get to any-, any uh, <laughs> Any um, any Any ratio with the dollar (laughs) because of that, but like like ratio to Zimbabwe dollars exactly. Yeah, but no, I think I think um, BSV can be can be very valuable. I I don't want to put a particular number on it, but uh, I think there there is a different dynamic than with BTC because all of the prices on, on BTC are purely based on speculation, so they're based on belief about success. But I don't think people are going to be like that with BSV. I, I think that they're going to, they're going to want to, they're going to be more hard nosed about it. I, th- I think they're going to want to see real success before they start before they start wanting to to pump the price up. And um, um, I, I think that because BSV really kind of turns away people who who just want to speculate and who just want to believe in success without without evidence. It's kind of turns those people off because part of the, you know, part of what people talk about in, in BSV is, has to do with hard truths, you know, that people want to want to ignore. But I, I think certainly that that level, the level of success where BSV is actually worth uh, $100,000 or, or more is, is theoretically possible. And um, yeah, we should be we should be promoting we should be promoting that. I mean, if you if you have the coin, then why wouldn't you want that? That's that's what you would want. And I, I think the first thing is just to understand just to understand the economics of money. And of course, I have my theory about money, which is not necessarily true. Um, but I think um, I mean I think that if if you were to try to argue with me about it that you wouldn't i don't i think that you would you would be you would be hard pressed to um to convincingly disagree with me on it but i think that's sort of the first thing we need is to start arguing about the value of money and turn this into kind of a, a uh an a a scientific or philosophical discussion where it's not it's not just about uh accepting 
accepting somebody's idea. It's about figuring out what, what the real answer is. Right. So the argument that people will have is, hey, I agree with you, Jack. That sounds very idealistic. Um, good luck in the next lifetime. Uh, in 100 years, it'll happen. So do we also want to make the case here that if BTC got to 69K in about 13 years of existence, that clearly a more efficient economy built on a scalable network um, can get to 69K in less than that time and potentially dramatically less time, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, markets move at the speed of thought. So there isn't any reason why, um, why, uh, I mean, to me, like if you understand how Bitcoin works, um, you, you would think that the economy is going to grow a lot. So you would start demanding the coin now uh, before it grows. I mean, that would be the best time to, to buy it is before people, before people uh, have realized that the economy is going to grow a lot. Um, but uh, so if, if people just start, start thinking in that way, then, then the price is going to start, start pumping, regardless of what's, what's really going on in the real world. The, the prices all have to do with what people think what people think will happen, um, but um, like because because of what I said, because people are going to want people are going to be thinking about reality a lot more in uh, in BSV than in in BTC. I think think you really need to show people that it's it's going to grow. I mean, it's, it's not going to work to just give the impression that, that the economy is going to grow. You have to actually be be doing it, you know, getting getting the process started. But there's no reason why it should be a slow process because people can just kind of kind of jump in and get started. I mean, there's relatively few people now, but like the the rest of the world is well, there just there just isn't isn't very much that's good in the in the rest of the world. I mean, I think I think that if just about anybody in the world knew about the opportunity in, in Bitcoin right now, and they were thinking about how the rest of the global economy sucks so badly, they, they would see it as an opportunity that, that they would want to get in on. And right. So let, let's get into something specific then. You said you've been talking about this theory for the last however many years, and you couldn't find friends potentially that as easily that understood you, right? Is yeah. it because of your looks? Is it because of what is it that's going? Is it because you you need a haircut? Like I'm just being like very. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good good question. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think the most important thing I've I've learned on on psychology is the theory of of Nietzsche, um, and his theory has to do with the motivation for self deception. And so what what Nietzsche said is that. People are motivated to lie to themselves because they want to believe that they can avoid suffering. And in reality, uh, life has a strong element of randomness to it. So you can't, you can't really avoid suffering. There's, there's, there's chaos and you can't plan for everything that's gonna happen to you. So, Sometimes there's going to be bad things that'll happen to you for no reason. 
And so people, people deceive themselves because uh, they, they, want, they want to tell themselves that there is an underlying order to the universe that is not, not just chaos and that they can, uh, they can get out of it. Simple. Okay, let me interrupt you right there. That sounds good to me. I like that. Let, let's go down this further. I love this episode so far. So okay. <laughs> if I am a college graduate, even though there's the idea of a sunk cost fallacy, I feel that like I want to feel that I spent my time wisely over the last 20 years going to school, getting A grades. And if I built up a social network, because at this moment in time, I'm an average person on the street. I built up friendships that are not Bitcoiners. And you're creating a system that makes me want to be connected to Bitcoiners when I'm currently connected to the aristocrats or other people at my company. And so there is this massive hitch to my ego, to my existence, to the, the way I've lived my life that I don't want to accept. So even though it is rational for me to join the Bitcoin economy, I realized at this moment in a hyper-Bitcoinization world, my Bank of America account doesn't matter anymore. My, the money that I've earned over the last 10 years saving it in terms of fiat doesn't really matter too much anymore. All the time I invested in terms of picking stocks and which stocks I should buy doesn't matter anymore. All these friendships that I learned about how to build and treat them well and uh, social etiquette that, that comes with moving up in the fiat world doesn't matter anymore. And so even though it makes sense for me to drop all of that and look at things from a fresh start and join the Bitcoin economy, it's just too much for me to give up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. And college, college is a really good example because that's, that's something that pe people lie to themselves about a lot. So really getting, getting a college degree is in many ways a very risky proposition. And therefore it's something that promotes suffering, but people, people do it because they're they're thinking about they're thinking about the potential benefits and not not enough about the costs so they're telling themselves like um and of course the alternative to uh going to college is kind of accepting it's kind of accepting that the world is chaotic it's kind of accepting that you can you go out there and you just have to have to find something to do. You you have to figure it out yourself. So if if you're someone who doesn't want to do that, you're going to be prone to to accepting the idea that getting a college degree is going to help you lead a life that uh, avoids chaos. So you go to college and you get a degree, and then you get a professional job, and uh, you get you get a salary and then then you get a pension or or something like that when when really that's um probably not not going to happen so um and then the the cost of college is that you you might you might make a, a bad decision you might get a degree that nobody is interested in or the economy might have changed so that people are just not interested in degrees in general so much anymore, which is what what has happened uh, happened in, in the real world, and you you go into debt to get into college. So then, by the time you get out, you're a lot worse off than when you got into it. And 
the ability of the degree to um, to find you a uh, you know get you into an, a non chaotic position is um, you know not not as good as um, people say or what what you might have been thinking what you might have been led to believe and I think um, uh, I think I think professors are are like that too I mean this is why this is why I don't trust college professors either because I, I think they're people who are trying to avoid avoid chaos their whole life and they're trying to do it by um, attaching themselves to to big institutions so that and trying to get get tenure right. so you know? so i got a question for you give it who's your employer right now daniel uh no one no one liam who's your employer right now no one right um, <clears throat> i mean i'm I also i'm also unemployed so basically we just need to call bitcoin for what it is it is the currency for the unemployed <laughs> <laughs> i like that great <laughs> it's true it's perfect for you because you got no identity crisis. You got no ego trip. You're not at a nine to five hearing some economic argument about why you might be better off if you join the Bitcoin network. And so I think one of the problems that we make right now is people look at Bitcoin and they want to convince the normal people in the world that this is good for them. So they do all these things. They make the product work for the normal people. Uh, we hold your keys for you. We want to like re-whitewash, normalize Bitcoin for these people, and that's not working. Yeah. So, well, that yeah. Well, Bitcoin is chaos. I mean, it's never yeah. going to stop being like a like a chaotic system. I I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I don't think trying to whitewash it is going to work. Um, it's it's really like stepping into chaos. But that's kind of and, what we were trying to do, right? I hold your coins for you. I'm going to put a stable yeah. coin for you so that it's, it's the currency that you're used to. It doesn't go up and down anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the way people get conned is some someone who looks like he knows what he's talking about says that I'm, you know, I'm going to take care of you. You know what I mean? When when really you're you're better off taking care of yourself and you know, accepting that bad things are going to happen. Because when, when, when you, you know, when somebody, when you accept that somebody's going to take care of you, and some bad thing happens, then maybe they will, and maybe they won't. You know, if if they don't, if they don't want to, then then you're you're worse off than if you you hadn't done anything with them. So Bitcoin's also for kids then, because they also have not gone through this current world uh, brainwashing. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good point. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, well, you know, one thing I've had a lot of trouble with trying to talk to people about Bitcoin is, um, I, you know, I try to explain to people. I mean, it's hard to really get anywhere, anywhere with them. Well, let me let me go on about about Nietzsche because they yes, Nietzsche said the the first the first class of people is the Dionysian, and these are the people who are like like animals. So they're people who embrace risk without understanding it. And um, they're kind of like uh, like like addicts, like people who like like gambling, or just like like animals, like like people who don't don't have rationality. And so the next class of the next thing the next class of people happens when they start to understand that risk exists, and instead of um, uh, and um, so one one way that people deal with the understanding that that risk is exists is they instead of 
embracing risk. They try to avoid risk. And these are um, what Nietzsche called the, the Apollonians. And uh, they are people who um, see avoidance of risk as a desirable goal. And then there's two classes of those because there's one group that believes that they can avoid risk. So avoiding risk is both desirable and possible. And these are the, the dogmatists. And they're the ones who are self-deceptive. They're the ones that I was talking about before. They're, they're the people who are wanting to tell them because they, they want to believe something that's obviously not true. And then, the, then there's the people who accept that uh, you cannot consistently avoid risk. And these are, these are the nihilists. So what they do is they say nothing is good because it's all, all risky. And I would say that that's kind of the, um, that's the, uh, the, the BTC bros. They're kind of like the, um, the, the dogmatists because they, they act like they think there's no risk and that everything is just, just set, you know? So it's like they're, they're, they're denying, they're denying chaos. And then, um, the, um, the people I try to talk to outside of Bitcoin, they're kind of like the nihilists. Cause I tell them that I try to explain that you should just, you know, if you don't think that if you, if you're not certain that it's a good idea, you still should want to get a small amount because just in case it does go up. I mean, most people can afford to risk $10 or, or $1 on, on Bitcoin, even if they don't, don't think it's a good idea, but you know, most of those people aren't really willing to do that. Like they're, they act like they're, they're afraid of having even small amounts of Bitcoin. And so they're like the nihilists because they think that everything is bad if there's any risk, even if it, the risk is really, really low. Or, you know, mm -hmm. even if they are, um, they're reducing the risk themselves by just not getting very much. You know what I mean? So the, the third class of people or the fourth, fourth class of people is they're the ones who understand the risk exist, exists. And they also understand that um, they don't see avoidance of risk as being a desirable goal. And those are, those are the Nietzscheans. And they're, they're, like, um, they're like people who are, are conscious of, of their, their instincts. So they can, they understand that there's, uh, there's benefit, there's potential benefit in, in risk, but they're also not like people who just jump out and take every risk they can. They're like people who, who think carefully about, about risk and they choose the risks that, that they want to take. So um, most, most people are not like, like the Nietzscheans. So um, I would say that um, this this theory kind of explains why it's uh, why it's been tough for me to uh, find allies in Bitcoin because to me like being being like the Nietzschean is kind of the the first it's kind of like the first thing I'm looking for it, it, to me it's just like thinking rationally about risk you know one one thing that drives me crazy is so many people I know love love games and they love playing games and they're able to think about games and they love the strategy and they're able to think about just really crazy things that you would do in a game that 
you know, are not intuitive, but that, that make you win. And they love doing that. But then the moment it's about real life and it's about real money, then it's like they can't, they can't think that way anymore. When really there's, there's so many people I know who would be, would be great at Bitcoin if, if, if they could just think about it just like they Bitcoin's think about the ultimate game. Right. Yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Daniel's so happy to meet you. Huh? <laughs> uh, me too. This has been a really great, great discussion. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could talk about this with people every day. <laughs> oh, we can make that happen. We can have this conversation go on every single day. Okay. Well, let's see if we can find, find more people too then. <laughs> but yeah, let's right. talk about this all the time. But, but you believe in memetics, right? A lot. Um, uh, could you explain what, what you mean by that, that question? You, you believe that memes are powerful. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, memes are just ideas. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, well, one of the things I learned in my, my software engineering program is that uh, you, the, the earlier you catch a mistake, the less it costs. So, and it's about, uh, it's exponential. So yes. if you, you catch a bad idea in the design phase, that's very, very cheap. And if you catch it after the product has launched, then it's hundreds of thousands or millions of times more expensive. And um, that's, that's why ideas are powerful. Right. Uh, and then you also believe hyper-Bitcoinization can be triggered by just a mindset change or expectations change of the future. And once that happens, the future we get will get built by people in the network naturally. It's just right now they don't have that idea of what the future might look like right Exa now. So, exactly. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Okay. So then all we need to do is just brainstorm what memes to put out there to describe what the hell this thing is. No? Yeah. I mean, I think I still think there's a lot of self-deception out there, but so a big part of it is just finding the people who don't don't want to lie to themselves. But if we can get all of those guys, then eventually everybody else will have to join in. They won't have a choice. Right. So clearly someone working at a corporation, working at nine to five, feels very validated or even at a company startup that they feel like they're on some mission and they don't want that mission identity to be disrupted, like I said. And this network really, because this network, like you said, is about helping other people help you, that it takes a lot of agency about how important you are inside this world. Uh, you are as important as what you actually contribute a value to the to the network. You're not important just because you have a degree or just because you have a certain job or just because you raise a certain amount of money. So it goes without saying then that you would want to target the people who are not benefited by the current world that we live in, whether it's kids who don't have access to the economy whatsoever or is uh, benefiting unemployed people. Um, or complete weird weirdo nerds, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, great. But um, how do we how do we make that message about Bitcoin um, be more of a predominant message than the message currently, which is that BFP is for enterprise and for governments and what's like that? Well, um, you know that's a good good question. I mean, I was thinking um, a couple of years ago about a video that I would would make. Um, uh, that would be trying to um, connect to people in the outside world. And it would kind of um, show, show the Bitcoin economy as, as being, being kind of like a, like a, a beehive. And um, uh, 
it would be it would be like something where there's um, there's like um, safety inside, and then there's like insanity outside. But they they wouldn't be just they couldn't be just like bees because they would have to be like like individualist bees. So it would it would show it would show people people transforming into to um, some some new kind of kind of bee, but they would all they would all be different. You know what I mean? So I didn't really um, get too far with that idea. But to me, people who would want to get into Bitcoin are 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 just like the kind of people who who you describe. They're they're like people who are um, are disen, disenfranchised or who who are not not deeply connected to to the current system, and um, they're well, you the know, outcasts. yeah. And well, so what you were saying earlier about, you know, it's about it's about what you can contribute. I mean, that's another way of saying that that ideas are powerful because if you have the right idea, then you can contribute a lot. I mean, um, um, it's not it's not so much about how much time you put in or how much work you put in because you can work at something for a long time and not do something useful or or you could you know put together something in one evening that's that's really useful you know that everybody needs that's that's why ideas are powerful okay so then instead of trying to build a massive company in the biggest wallet in the world and whatever then i could think of a couple ideas that you can make right now you can number one make that whole how much does a, does a satoshi buy index and you show a list of all these items including us dollar versus satoshis and then you can make another one which is how much satoshi did you earn today and it just shows zero for everyone and it has a leaderboard based on like satoshi's earned like instead of playing like some game and having like a score in a game like oh i i, I dodged 98 fighter jets in a game and someone else dodged 38 like that that's meaningless to the outside world if i had a score of how many satoshis i earned somehow like that then you're playing the ultimate game which is bitcoin right well yeah that's really <laughs> that's really funny i like that idea a lot yeah there could be a, a um well yeah i mean i think you you could you could gamify could gamify everything in in bitcoin i mean they've kind of done done something like that on on twitch but they're they're still trying to build their own um you know their own system um really what we need is a, a leaderboard that anybody anybody can join in join in on that doesn't need you don't need to be part of some some other system in order to join it you just just have to be a bitcoiner hmm. right and Liam, i think i referred to this the other day and i said why do we keep on referring to these nfts that are pumped and are still pumping and whatever that were meant like three four months ago they're not contributing new value or new information to the economy um, and it's not possible for the NFTs to all pump at the same time because it's only 21 million coins. They can't pump against BSV. So what we should actually value is new mints and new uh, NFTs and new creation. So we should be ranking what NFTs are doing the best that were minted in the last 24 hours. And we should be ranking creators based on the world's top creators over the last 24 hours. So you put into this idea uh, consistency, right? It's like those fitness apps. They, they track whether you ran every single day. They don't track like who ran the most in 1985. You, you know what um, I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. here's my new kitten. Nice. I